It's July 18, 2018. Welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. Another full show today. First, we're going to hear from Zubin Menon about the IBM Cloud. They're sponsors of the upcoming Wetware Wednesday developer meetup. Then, Emma Ander joins us to tell us about the upcoming Hawaii Conservation Conference. And, of course, uh, then we'll find out about the Farm to School program with Lieutenant Governor Doug Chin. We also have Mililani High School Vice Principal Andrea Moore and Alyssa Yamada Barreto, President of the Associated Students of Mililani High School. So, first up, let's welcome Zubin. Uh, she, uh, he's the Senior Client Executive from IBM, and he's here to tell us about the next Wetware Wednesday. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Bert. Glad to be here. Yeah, you know, normally we would have the... Uh, our friends over from HDC, HSD, HTDC, sorry. But we thought we'd change it up and have the subject matter expert about IBM Cloud tell us about what is Wetware Wednesday all about this week. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the subject matter expert, <laughs> but happy to tell you a little more. So, you know, we've got uh, tomorrow, 6 p.m. at Medici's, we've got Sanjay Joshi. He's one of our top IBM Cloud architects. He's flying in. He's going to be talking about and demonstrating IBM Cloud Private. Now, okay, so... Just for the sake of people like me who need to better understand what exactly is the cloud, could you explain it? Happy to, Bert. You know, it's, they say there's you know no new things. It's old things that become new. The cloud is a way where you've consolidated infrastructure, software, hardware, services. You buy by the drink for all these things. You say and you simplify environments for IT. You increase collaboration, and you take advantage of scale. Now, in terms of the actual infrastructure, I mean, these could be just a network of computers that are located, whether they're in data centers or they're located on the mainland or in Hawaii, that con- constitutes the cloud. You got it. And, you know, a lot of cloud providers out there, it's it's one solution to fit all needs. It's public cloud, no matter what the question is. IBM's perspective, we've got governments, healthcare, airlines, and from our experience worldwide, Chances are you're going to need a bit of everything, some on-prem, some workloads in a public cloud, and some in somewhere in between in a hybrid model. And that's really what you're going to see at Wetware Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to clarify. So Wetware Wednesday will be taking place on the 25th, the Wednesday, right. next Wednesday, right. not tomorrow specifically, um, at uh, Medici's in Manoa. So uh, for your hope when you're presenting to a group of developers as well as people who are, you know, startup entrepreneurs and trying to trying to think about ways that they're going to build their next idea. How do you make that case from that high concept of what a, a cloud is to somebody who's just wants to make something? You got it. And, you know, let's take that in two pieces. So you've got a lot of legacy applications sitting in different places. We're saying, hey, here's a platform that you can use. It's very open source friendly. IBM's one of the largest contributors to the open source community. Mm-hmm. You can build and modernize legacy apps. You can build brand new web scale apps, web services based apps. You can deploy those apps on premise in the security of your own data center. You can burst out to the cloud of your choice, whether it be IBM, Amazon, Microsoft, as your needs dictate. And RBM's perspective is we think your experience should be seamless across the environments. Now, how much does someone need to know about IBM's specific environment to use these tools? Because, I mean, I would imagine that a lot of people are looking at open source and widely available deployments to be able to get something done or to be able to find people with the right skill sets. Is, is, is that what you're providing? It's a mix. Uh, and what you'll find is you can www.ibm.com, click on our link to our public cloud, set up an account, and really it's designed for a variety of users, business users and analysts that are trying to build an app, developers that want to bring their own custom code but make it take advantage of existing Watson services that are already available. Watson's the AI piece? You got it. Watson's our 
uh, augmented intelligence. Hmm. You know, a lot of folks say artificial, and you think of a man versus machine. But IBM's perspective is things are changing rapidly. Our environments, our jobs, automation is going to bring all kinds of changes. But our feeling is it's going to be man and machine uh, in this environment. For the I future. like that evolving narrative of the AI becoming augmented intelligence as opposed to artificial intelligence. Now, if somebody were to you know want to know the sort of differentiation between AWS, Amazon's, you know, sort of cloud service and IBM, what would you basically tell them? You know, Amazon's done a terrific job. Quite frankly, they were front and center to first to the market in a lot of ways. Their answer to most questions on what kind of workloads and where you should move it, the answer is public cloud. And IBM's perspective is, well, it depends on the workload. It depends on your needs. It depends on uh, the kind of compliance and security. So we offer a variety of environments, multi-tenant public, private, hybrid, in between, bare metal, private cloud in your own environment, really the options are are limitless. Well, Zubin, you're going to cover a lot of these details as part of your presentation at Wetware Wednesday. Can you remind people where and when that event is taking place? Sure. It's Wednesday, the 25th, Mm -hmm. 6 p.m. at Medici's in Manoa. Uh, Look forward to seeing you there. Fantastic. Very good. Well, thanks, Zubin, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. And, of course, next up we have Emma Ander, and she's the program director over at the Hawaii Conservation Alliance. And she's going to tell us about the Hawaii Conservation Conference coming up. Welcome to the show, Emma. Thanks so much for having me. Now, this is an annual event, and uh, tell us, how many years has this uh, conference been going on? This year is our 25th year. 25th? So, yeah. Wow. And have how many years have you been involved with actually kind of organizing this? So I've actually only been working with the Alliance for a little over a year and a half, so mm. almost two years mm-hmm. this year. This will be my second conference working behind the scenes. Um, but I'm really fortunate to have been an attendee for the eight years prior. So. Well, speaking of attendees, what is the constituency of the Hawaii Conservation Conference? So we get over a 1,000 folks, uh, mostly from around Hawaii, a few from across the Pacific and, and even as far as the mainland. Uh, but the, the focus is really Hawaii environment, conservation, natural resource management, and cutting-edge science, of course, in those fields. So as the uh, uh, program that Director, what if what what sort of special things have you incorporated in this year's conference? Well, we're really excited to have Dr. Fikrit Berkey's coming all the way from University of Manitoba in Canada, and he's going to be our opening keynote speaker. Uh, and he's one of the um, founding authors in the field of community co-management and conservation, uh, which has really taken hold in Hawaii here. Uh, we also have a gubernatorial panel, which we're really excited to be having on Thursday morning, starting at 8 a.m., mm-hmm. uh, focused on the environment, of course. Um, and that's Thursday the 26th. That is Thursday, yep. July 26th. Yes, thank you. Uh, we also have some some really exciting science content. And with over 80 hours of content, I mm-hmm. can't certainly get into all of it. Um, but just a, a, a few tidbits. Uh, we'll have, be having some presentations about the release of the Alala or the Hawaiian Crow, which mm-hmm. was successfully reintroduced into mm. the wild this year. So that's pretty monumental for the conservation world. Um, but also some, some cool new science. Um, for example, um, some folks have been secretly video the Hawaiian hoary bats roasting, uh, roosting, excuse me? Not roasting. <laughs> <laughs> Not roasting, yeah, definitely roosting. Mm, um, which is, it sounds pretty basic, but um, that habit has never, or that practice has never been mm. actually documented before. Uh-huh. So some new video technology has really enabled that. How much would you say this conference is available or accessible to the general public if, if they are someone committed to the cause of conservation? Well, if you're really, really into conservation and you want to come, registration is open to the public. Anyone can register and come for 
for all three days. If you just want to check it out and kind of browse, um, it's free and open to the public Wednesday afternoon. That's Wednesday, July 25th, starting at 12 p.m. We're kicking it off with a video about the rapid ohia disease. Hmm. Uh, and then throughout that whole afternoon, it'll be open to the public until 5 o'clock. And I take, take it there's going to be a lot of exhibits for people to browse through? Absolutely. We'll have an exhibit hall with about 50 different exhibitors from around the state. Great. Is so, there an education component of it? Absolutely. We have that as well. Uh, we have, um, uh, we're have. we really, really happy to be featuring some students and, and youth in the, who are involved in conservation and leading some sustainability projects throughout mm. the state. Um, there's also several workshops available for emerging professionals and students who are interested in science and conservation. So if somebody was uh, very interested in signing up, where could they go to find all the information and register. All of the information is on our website, which is hawaiiconservation.org. So pretty simple. Um, Right on the top menu is a a link to our conference page. But you can also find out a lot more about what we do, as well as a lot of the wonderful partners that we're really fortunate to work with around the state. Well, very good. Yeah. Well, thanks, Emma, for joining us. Thank you so much for having having me today. And I look forward to seeing people next week at the conference right before they head to Manoa at 6 o'clock on (laughs) Wednesday. (laughs) Very good. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Lieutenant Governor Doug Chin, Andrea Moore, and Alyssa Yamada Barreto of Milanani High School. We'll talk about Farm to School, and this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Wealth Jar, Hawaii Pacific University, and Locations. I especially like to listen to uh, Marketplace. I find that I'm on the road around that time and that it's very uh, informative. Um, Sometimes I'll be driving when StoryCorps comes on, and those segments always make my eyes well up a little bit, and then I have to regain my composure before I go to the office in the morning. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us are Lieutenant Governor Doug Chin, who among other responsibilities heads up the Farm to School program. Also joining us are Andrea Moore, a Mililani High School Vice Principal, and Alyssa Yamada Barreto. She is the most recently graduated president of the Associated Students of Mililani High School. Thank and of course, uh, what innovations are making it possible to seamlessly move, move from uh, local produce to schools? We want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, Doug, we'll start with you and uh, maybe give us a little bit of uh, background on your, uh, you know, involvement with Farm to School. You know, becoming lieutenant governor, this was probably one of many other programs that you've gotten involved in. But I was very, very impressed by the um, sort of informational briefing that took place at the Capitol. And I was just, the ecosystem that's out there was like amazing. Tell us, I mean, what's a little bit of history of Farm to School? Ainapono is the state of Hawaii's innovative farm-to-school program, which basically is focused on trying to improve childhood health, uh, support our local agriculture, 
and also increase Hawaii's food security uh, by increasing fresh local food uh, being served in our public schools uh, instead of what people are used to getting. So if you, what you can picture is that literally uh, prior to this program being in place, uh, canned food uh, was brought in from the mainland and it would sit on shelves uh, mm-hmm. and then be uh, opened up and then dumped onto people's plates to be served for public school. And, and I'm probably exaggerating that a little bit, uh, but not too much. <laughs> and, and so I, I think one of the things that, that happened here was uh, when I first came on board as lieutenant governor earlier this year, um, this program was expanding from a pilot uh, program that was existing on Hawaii Island uh, over to Oahu Mm -hmm. and to specifically uh, the Mililani High School Complex. And so that is uh, the second largest school in the state. They serve 2,500 lunches per day. And uh, with that, we we opened up this program and there were some amazing successful benchmarks that were achieved uh, right away. So this was sort of a a phase-in approach. Like phase one was really kind of the Big Island and Kohala and and Lieutenant Governor Shansetsui was really involved with the the Big Island pilot project. Yes, right? that's that, exactly right. If I'm if I'm correct, it, it started off with maybe about five hundred lunches. Correct. And just to sort of test the test the the um, the process, I guess. And then when did it sort of migrate over to the second phase, which includes uh, Mililani? Uh, by December, they uh, we had things rocking and rolling at Mililani High School. Um, we all did have most of the public schools in Hawaii do scratch cook for uh, the baking. So hmm. that was a real plus to have baking happening in our schools. And um, the the dynamic ideas of if we waste less food, we can use that money to buy fresh and local. Now, for somebody like me who only knows how to barbecue, what is scratch cooking? Oh, from scratch. Okay. Uh, like, you know, baking is you, from they take the flour and turn it into yummy bread. Okay. Um, then scratch cooking. Cooking for our, our entrees, you, you buy a, real pieces of real chicken and turn it into uh, chicken katsu uh-huh, or, uh-huh. or whatever. And um, it was the kids loved it. Uh, they had some input on what they would like to see happening. And we, um, everybody, students, fa- uh, staff, everybody had the the um, learning curve of what is allowed, what's good, hmm. and you know what's possible, not just what do you want, but also what's possible. So mm-hmm. it was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I'm a proud uh, Milani High School graduate, uh, and I'm, I'm really curious to hear, um, Alyssa, I mean, we should talk about the different components of this, but let's talk about that end of that chain. So, Alyssa, you just graduated from Mililani High School. Yes, so you've totally had four correct. years to experience both what might have been the previous model mm-hmm. of uh, school lunches and perhaps now this most recent pilot. Um, what have you seen from the student perspective or hearing from your peers about this shift as a result of this Farm to School program? Well, I remember the first time that we actually introduced the program um, at our school, and it was actually during our Senate meeting that we had that day. And we brought Chef Greg up, who's one of the main people also a part of this, and you know our cafeteria managers and some other people. And when we told them about it, their faces instantly just kind of brightened. And then we asked, who wants to be a part of the Senate task force, which is going to be, you know, helping and giving more input about the whole farm to school program. And literally we have we have about maybe 140 senators. And there was there was a bunch of them that just automatically lifted their hands up, raising their hands. They wanted to all sign up and help and be a part of it any way that they could. And being a part of, well, I've actually been a senator since my freshman year. So four years of being a senator, 
And I've never seen our senators that excited about something. And um, improving our school lunches has always been something that has been a topic in our um, meetings. And the fact that they are now being listened to, they're now being heard, Mm -hmm. was something that they were all so excited about. I'm sure I can imagine it's hard to sometimes get volunteers for a task force to get that enthusiastic response. This is significant. Um, What can you tell us about the food? Oh, my goodness. Where do I start with the food? It's so good now. Um, I mean, we have, like like they were saying, we have chicken katsu. We've had... Um, homemade kimchi. Kalua, yes, homemade kimchi. We had kalua pig straight from our very own on-canvas emu. We've um, even mm-hmm. had lao lao, more salads. We've um, Some of our cafeteria staff, they've brought in their own recipes and one of which was a new type of salad dressing and so they put that out there too there's a papaya dressing for the salads Mm. and all of those types of things getting hungry yeah it's amazing so so doug tell me now the logistics of actually going from the farm to the school and actually selecting you know which types of produce or meat or eggs how do you go through that process so that it ultimately becomes the chicken katsu because it's not just a free-for-all in terms of what it is that they're cooking. And, and it has to be really sort of organized from right. the source to the school. Exactly. How does and, that happen? And, and so that's actually been the big challenge is, is really trying to get our agricultural industry here locally engaged and uh, faithful that, that, that this program is actually going to see its way through and, and, and be something where the public schools potentially could be the largest restaurant. Mm-hmm. In the, and they are the largest mm-hmm. restaurant in the state, but, but ones that are able to uh, power and, and keep our agricultural industry uh, alive and, and doing extremely well at a time when pineapple and sugar has uh, sadly gone away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I want to before I go on, I, I want to make sure I share some numbers just because those those are exciting just to be able to see the different things that have happened. Um, one of the things that took place as a result of this Ainapono program in Mililani was that fresh food in the cafeterias increased by 34 percent, food waste decreased um, by uh, by a, a roughly $108,000. So $108,000 of food that had been wasted and thrown into the garbage can, what was now something that was being uh, consumed and, and eaten nutritiously. Um, and then finally, uh, the meals that were being purchased, it increased by 50%. Um, but I want to say one more thing is that anecdotally, um, there were so many stories about uh, kids where you, where you realize that there are so many people who actually – um, a subsidized meal in the public school system is one of the only opportunities that they have during the day to mm. have a nutritious meal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and actually, I remember one time when I, I went and visited Mililani High School, that one of the state, that one of the student senators um, had never had papaya before. <laughs> and so that was his first time. Uh, it was the fruit of the month, and and wow. so he he tasted it, and and I think partly he tasted it because he didn't want to be embarrassed that that he wasn't eating all the food, and then he ended up really loving it. But but it was it's just it's it's stunning to realize how this is an opportunity to connect our students with with the fact that the local food that's being produced here uh, in Hawaii is, is what they're actually consuming. That means so much. Mm-hmm. So in terms of uh, the actual selection of whether, you know, one week is or one month is, uh, I don't know, chicken or the other next month is bananas or or what have you, how do you go about actually selecting which uh, products are going to be 
use in the meals. Sure, there's been different um, foods of the month that have had to be chosen each one of the each one for each month. Um, so one month was bananas, another month was ulu, another month was papaya. Mm-hmm. Uh, different different um, foods like that. That is actually something that requires a, a lot of planning. And mm-hmm. so between the Department of Education as well as the local farmers, uh, that the, the input that we got from the farmers is they said, "Hey, if we're going to participate in this program, uh, basically you've got to give us lead time. We we have to understand uh, what your plans are so that we can be able to prepare and and grow uh, so that this will be a successful program." Because if this takes off, uh, it, it really could be a very big deal for the ag industry. So I do want to talk about some of the sort of the three components, as I understand it. You know, I heard that uh, there's the, the school garden, there's education, there's procurement. Well, let's get get into that. We're going to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Lieutenant Governor Doug Chin, Andrea Moore, and Alyssa Yamada Barreto from Milanani High School. And, of course, we're talking about farm to school and local produce. More local produce. This is Bite Mark Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Ulupono Initiative, and Impact Hub Honolulu Co-working. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to Lieutenant Governor Doug Chin. And from Milani High School, Andrea Moore, Vice Principal, and Alyssa Yamada Barreto, recently graduated President of the Associated Students of Milani High School. Now, I understand there's various components to the actual farm-to-school program. And that includes everything from school gardens to education to procurement. Maybe... uh, uh, Andrea, tell us a little bit about the you know the school garden program and and obviously the purpose perhaps is to get kids into the actual growing of of produce. I mean, how has it taken place uh, at Mililani? Well, Mililani High School, even though we're urban, um, we do actually have a pretty good size ag program. We have a lot of mm-hmm. kids. We have quite a bit of land. Our our campus is forty five acres, so um, we're right on the cusp of being able to be certified so that we could grow food right there on campus mm. and get it into our kitchens. Um, but you couldn't get the quantity, right? Correct. And that will always be uh, a real challenge. And that's where the ag industry has uh, opportunities uh, with school food services, the Department of Education, being able to partner and plan ahead, like uh, Lieutenant Governor Chin said. And uh, it's a really, really daunting task, but it's exciting. Uh, All the elements that are involved, the, the people in the cafeteria, all the workers there, uh, even the the custodians, everybody on campus has helped with all of these initiatives. It's never been just any one component, mm. and it's you know that that family aspect. It's something that Hawaii is so famous for. Our aloha, mm-hmm. uh, it comes through, and the the students are benefiting from it. But so are the employees. So it's really very exciting. Something that's uh, it's it's come along really well, and we really really hope it, that we keep it moving. So, Alyssa, tell us a little about perhaps about maybe the education piece. I mean, certainly I like that we're hearing that fifty percent more people are eating their lunches. I know when I went to school, sometimes the only thing I ate was the milk. <laughs> so um, in addition to your work with the Senate in terms of the, uh, pulling this program together, how has, have you seen it incorporated into perhaps curriculum or talking about sustainability perhaps or nutrition as part of the education or the curriculum at Milani High School? Yeah, so our science classes have actually helped um, 
with the waste audits at our school, we've had our broadcast journalism help to advertise and promote it across our campus. So like doing our morning bulletin and um, putting up flyers, things like that. We've also had our culinary team and they've been able to work with the cafeteria and talk about the menu and the ingredients to use and um, really dive in to the actual cafeteria. We've had students that have worked in the cafeteria as well to help provide the lunches um, as well. So, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, as a as a sort of uh, what advocate? What did you t- call yourself? An advocate for the farm to school program? Yeah, like an ambassador. Ambassador. For it. Are there are there <laughs> multiple ambassadors? Uh, you know, at Milani. Yeah. So that's that's basically what the Senate Task Force is. We're um, the ones that have been able to see it firsthand and really like try the foods, taste test it. And um, it's super cool because some of the Senate task force has even been able to go to the Capitol. Um, and we actually went door to door to every legislator at the Capitol and told them about the Farm to School Initiative and really was able were able to talk to them about it. Um, if they had questions or just ask or ask them for support if they weren't already supporting it and thank them if they were. And then as an, as an ambassador, are you also talking to the other parts of the Mililani complex, like the middle school and elementary school? Yes, we've been able to talk to them a little bit. Um, you know, Uka and Wayana, those two elementary schools already um, have eaten the food from, you know, mm. this initiative already. Mm-hmm. So we've been in contact a little bit with them. I don't know. Absolutely. Add. Yeah, and um, we also have uh, a lot of opportunities to share the success of what's going on. Our cafeteria people talk to cafeteria people mm-hmm. from other kitchens, and we get a lot of questions, a lot of give and take, and that idea that it, it worked, it can work, and they have to work a little harder, a whole lot smarter, but they stepped up to it, and they're Fabulous! If you go in there at 6.15 in the morning, they're doing their warm-up exercises. <laughs> <laughs> so, Doug, let's talk about that third piece, the procurement piece, sure. because certainly for a state government to purchase something is not a simple process. And then when you say you need something at scale to feed students, it also adds additional challenges. How is that addressed to make this happen? About a week ago, we, we gathered together uh, about 200 people from the agricultural industry and other related places just to be able to talk about what they thought would be some of the, uh, not just the good things about this program, but some of the barriers that they perceived, and that that definitely was one of the comments that we received back, where people would say, "Look, we're we're, we're local farmers, basically, and your procurement system uh, is not something that we're accustomed to. There's a lot of there's a lot of language, there's a lot of red tape, there's a lot of bureaucracy. What can you do to help us?" And what I've got to say is, uh, I really applaud uh, Superintendent Kishimoto as well as her entire procurement office. They they have taken uh, the most phenomenal uh, positive approach about, look, we're going to really do whatever we can to find a solution. And I've got to say, even on the legal side, we, we've tried to do everything we could to, to make this a, a successful program. One of the last things I did when I was the attorney general uh, was there was a, a hiccup that, that came up where somebody in the procurement office said that, uh, look, what, what we're doing when we're making these purchases, it's not following our, our code. And and so uh, so I put on my legal hat and <laughs> tried to think about, let, let's find an exemption to, to be able to make this work. Because bottom line, as a matter of policy, uh, this, this is an opportunity to be able to bring back uh, and, and really to give the agricultural industry a great leg to stand on. 
Now, Doug, I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you, since this is a tech show, do you see any potential technologies that would help streamline some process or make data gathering more easy or have some way of better facilitating the farm-to-school program? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think especially when it comes to the, the contractual process, one of the things that people said is they, they had a hard time uh, understanding you know, when is the, the bids going to be available, when can we compete in this, and how can we part of the, be part of this process. And so, uh, and so being able to provide that kind of service to either the state or to the farmers, that's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, and, so, and, and I guess real quick, where can people find out more information about farm-to-school? Oh, absolutely. Check on hawaiipublicschools.org. And uh, if you can't uh, find it by clicking around, just type in either Inapono or Farm to School. And very quickly, Alyssa, where are you going to study? I am going to UH Manoa this fall. All right. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Fantastic. Of course, uh, Lieutenant Governor Doug Chin, he leads the Farm to School program. And in his spare time, he's running for Congress. (laughs) Andrea Moore is Mililani High School's vice principal. And, of course, uh, Alyssa Yamada Barreto is the president of the Associated Students of Mililani High. I want to thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you you so much. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Please join us next week when we're going to talk to gubernatorial candidate Congresswoman Colleen Hanabusa and learn about her tech and science initiatives. And of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. And of course, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app. And of course, you stay awesome, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Surfing.